0: Would you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks that your coming is, is, is still nigh. That you give us time to prepare, not only in celebrating your first coming as a baby, but that time that we look forward to where you come again and, and peace will reign. Injustice will roll down. Where the things and the obstacles that have been placed before us will be made, made low and smoothed out and all will have access to you. We long for that day of peace, especially in our world that is troubled by war. So we ask in this time, in these moments, as we seek to spend time in your presence and hear your voice speak to us, you would transform us so that we might be emissaries of your peace, fanning the flames wherever it is taking root and calling for it wherever we see your sign. Help us to experience your presence in our midst this day. Help us to be transformed in that presence and help us in being transformed to live out the message that you have us to live as we go about our lives when we leave this place. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is the second day of Sunday of Advent. We are getting closer and closer to that Christmas event. And we can feel the stress of it, at least I can, just kind of slowly boiling up and bubbling up as you realize that you have more to do than perhaps than you can squeeze in in a few weeks' time. Whether that is getting those Christmas cards out, getting cookies made, getting all of the visits coming out. I know this week for our family is a busy one, and perhaps you remember these weeks yourselves, where uh, you just have something every night of the week, perhaps except one. And you're like, how am I going to get everything done? We remember Christmases past where we have pulled it off. We remember the Christmases past where everything seemed perfect and everything worked. Or perhaps you remember those Christmases past where nothing seemed to work. Where you were hurt. Where you hurt others. Those Christmases past where perhaps things weren't quite what you wanted them to be. And the pain you still feel today. I talk about Christmas's past because that is the focus of this week's message. We're working through the Christmas carol this Advent season. We, we're, we're talking about the redemption of Scrooge. How he transformed from this miserly man that wanted nothing to do with anyone else in the world. And I would venture to say he did not want it to be in his own company at times. For he saw no, saw no profit in it. In this transformation from that to what we celebrate on that Christmas day, the redemption that is available to all. Yes, this is a fictional story. Yes, it is one that transformed a culture and is drawn upon today and is one of my personal favorite Christmas stories, the one that I watch and try to read every year. And the reason for that I said last week, it reminds us that redemption is possible, that no matter how far we think we are, no matter how far we think somebody else is, there is hope. There is a hope that transformation is possible, that we are not lost. In that darkness, we are not lost in, that, uh, in the way things are, but Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, calling us forth, can bring hope and transformation and peace. But one of the things that we need to do to enter into that, that, that redemption and that transformation is make peace with the past. In the Christmas carol, this was Scrooge traveling back to memories of his past, accompanied by the ghost of Christmas past. Not just the long past, not things that have happened in the world, but more specifically, his past. What is it about our pasts that can shape us, that turn us into who we are today? How did Scrooge get to where he was from his past? And how is our past shaping us to this day? And for Scrooge, I'd say his past was really drawing on a few things that shaped him into the man that he was, that he had to wrestle with, he had to make peace with, he had to learn from, he had to stop avoiding, in order for that redemption to take root. The first is loneliness. Can you think of Christmas's past where you felt lonely? Or not just Christmases, but any day. We'll go outside of the Christmas narrative just a little bit. Loneliness can shape us, can herald us into a future in which we don't think we need anyone. When we we grow up, we live in times where we think nobody wants anything to do with us, or we think because people don't want to speak to us or that we're just feeling alone, then perhaps that's the way things are supposed to be. There are many people in our world this day that are lonely, including especially after the time of COVID and the pandemic, where we had spent two years kind of isolated from one another. And people who were already feeling isolated, even in the midst of crowds and people, kind of internalized that even further. There is so, so much loneliness in our world today where people think that there is no one around them that cares about them, that cares for them, that, that even acknowledges their existence. And they start internalizing that. In the story of the Christmas story, uh, Carol, Scrooge's loneliness was as a child where his friends and the, the boys that he grew up with in the, in the, in the boarding school didn't really... Hang out with him, and they would go off into their families for Christmas while he was alone. His father didn't want anything to do with him. And so he thought that was the way things were that he was supposed to be lonely, he was supposed to be alone. And he had to wrestle with that when he visited that time again. He had to wrestle with it because we were not built, we were not created as human beings to be alone and to be lonely. We were given the gift of comfort from one another. We were given the gift of presence to be with one another and to be nourished by one another. The more that we try to be alone, the more that we think being alone is how we're supposed to be, the more isolated and cold we become. Likewise, if we see someone in our midst who just pushes people away and, and we want to let them, we want to let them say, you know what, I don't need to be near you. You're cold as it is, so why should I even bother? We see this in the Christmas story, somebody who did not do this in Scrooge's Nephew who every year would go on Christmas Eve knowing what the answer was going to be when they said, come and dine with us, come and spend time with us, come and be with us during this Christmas day. You don't have to be alone. Come and eat with myself and my wife and our friends. Every year, Scrooge said no. Every year, he would turn him on and say, I do not want to be with other people. I just want to be left alone. And yet, in the nephew's persistence, we see Scrooge finally when there's points of redemption, when he's wrestled with that past saying, you know, I don't want to be lonely anymore. I don't want to be isolated anymore. I want to be with other people and finding joy in that. When he finally makes peace and wrestles with the loneliness of his past, he knows where he can go. Because the nephew always made the invitation. So whether you're feeling lonely, and you usually feel lonely and isolate yourself, or you know somebody else who has, perhaps the point for us today is that we don't know their past. We don't know why they isolate themselves. But maybe we need to be more persistent in the invitation. So we have loneliness and Scrooge having to reconcile that and wrestle with it and, and, and come to peace with it. And Remember a time when he didn't feel lonely. Remember a time when he wanted to be with other people and to rekindle that flame within him again. Another thing in our past that can shape us is fear and insecurity. In the Christmas carol, the story was so strong that he was so afraid of what the world could do to him of being made po- uh, poor and destitute, of losing everything. And we see uh, a bit of Charles Dickens' own story, whose own father wrestled with poverty, wrestled with the poor houses, wrestled with having doing everything going so well for a while, and then something just happening. And everything is stripped away, and all the security that they thought they had is now gone. And the devastation of life that comes with that. And so in Scrooge's story, that is a driving point of why he is the way he is. Why he amasses and accumulates wealth for himself. Because he's afraid of losing that security. He's afraid of, of, of the risk of, of, of poverty. But he has to wrestle with this idea that he took the wrong lesson. In the Christmas story, it comes out through a love, his, the love of his life, his, his soulmate, his, his dear beloved, realizing that he loves that wealth, those possessions, more than he does her. And he has to wrestle with that. He has to come to terms to it. He could no longer ignore it when confronted with these scenes of his past. And he had to make peace, not only with what happened, but learn from it. Because that desire for security, that desire to make sure that nothing bad could happen, was driving him inward, driving him to accumulate. And it wasn't giving him the security that he hoped for by amassing all that wealth and all of that stuff. It wasn't making him feel any better. The more he had, the more he worried. The more he had, the more he worried about losing what he had. The more he had, the more he worried that that it would all disappear and he wanted more. The very thing that he thought would give him security, the very thing that he thought would bring him comfort, was in fact driving driving him to feel more insecure. Driving him to seek out the very thing that could not offer security. Jesus tells us over and over again in the Gospels to not put our trust in the very things that will be destroyed. Not put our trust in the things that we think will last, that moth and dust and, 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 and rust will destroy But to build up treasures in heaven that will last, the things to put our trust and faith in Christ and trusting in his spirit that no matter what will come, no matter what will happen, it's not that if you believe in Jesus and you follow him, your life will be made easy. I don't know if there's anyone in this room who will say that their life has been easy because they follow Christ. But in following Christ, the difficulties that we face, the challenges that we meet each day and each year, and that we faced in our life are made easier by our confidence in Him. That no matter what comes our way, we know we can get through it because we have been surrounded by Christ, given His peace and strength, and surrounded by people who likewise follow him, that we can lean in on and find strength. So for Scrooge and the security that he sought and the loneliness that he not only he he feared and didn't want in the beginning, but became a comfort to him later in life. After all, if you don't rely on someone else, they can't let you down. The very things that Scrooge thought from his past that would hold him up and protect him ended up being the very things that tore him down. And the same is true for us. The Philippians passage that I read for you to this day is one of my favorite in the New Testament and favorite in the in, in, in Paul's letters, because this is one of the first articulations of a Christmas story, of a moment in time where the God of all creation, the Lord of all, gave up the splendors of heaven, knowing that to be the, the, the glory of God, the presence of God, is not something to be exploited, is not something to be grasped onto and used for his own purposes or held onto, but he emptied himself out. Becoming not only human, but becoming a slave. Giving up the glories and riches of heaven for the poverty of being born in a stable. And being obedient even unto death. It's such a minuscule passage in the grand scheme of things. But it's one of those earliest written accounts of how people understood Christ and what he did. And it's that Christmas story that the Lord of heavens would be born into a lonely stable and live a life of poverty even though he had the richness and the glory of heaven itself. It stands in stark contrast to the the protagonist of the Christmas carol whose redemption we seek he would never give up the, the, the wealth that he accumulated. He would never give up the loneliness that he relied on to not be let down. For in those he found comfort compared to Christ who gave up heaven itself to walk in obedience for our sake. These two stories stand in contrast and it is because of this Christmas story, it is because of Christ's willingness to leave heaven and walk among us, to walk even unto death in obedience to God, that we can find our own redemption, that we can find our own hope, that we can find how it is that we can live in our world, not relying on the things that we think lift us up give us security that we think will glorify ourselves and hopefully God in sort of a, off to the side. But will you willing to give it up, all of it, in obedience? And we find that just as Christ's willingness to give up it all, to become human and walk among us, to teach us how to see God anew, to teach us how to live with one another and to worship God and follow God faithfully, we find our own redemption. We find our own transformation. We find the workings of the redemption of the world. And in following after him and being willing to, to follow in obedience, to give it up being willing to give up everything for God's sake. Others may find redemption through seeing how we live and seeing that our security and our hope and our peace is not built on the things of this world. But on heaven itself. I think we need can come to that. I think other people can come to that. But first, sometimes we've got to wrestle with the ghosts of our past. What is it that our past has taught us to cling to, to give us glory, to lift us up, to make us feel important and valued? And recognize, is that of God? Do we have to reevaluate it? Do we have to wrestle with it? Do we have to no longer ignore those lessons and pretend that the past didn't happen? Or do we have to wrestle with it, learn from it, and making peace with it so that we can come forward into the present and see what God has in store for us this day?